0: sunday school at least it looks like it to me i don't know if that's good or not here but it looks good to me and i'm glad you're here there are some differences between me and pastor lovins Um, he's good looking and i'm bald and uh, he still has his hair god doesn't cover his best furniture though so i've learned that but uh, (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding he has sharpened me and helped me through the years and, uh, and I'm thankful for the Lovins family, and I hope you are too. Uh, he may say something about me, and he'll lie about me. I'll lie about him, and we'll all be okay. But I'm kidding. I, he may lie about me, but I'm, I have some things I want to share with you about your pastor and his family. Um, nothing secretive or scary or embarrassing. Uh, not right now, anyway. Second time I come back, I will, but not the first time I'm here. But uh, you have a wonderful jewel of a family in the Lovins family. And uh, and I, I hope you understand that. I hope you know that. But uh, we sure love them. and I'm glad to be here, Campbell, Missouri, first time in this state, first time. And then yesterday, we drove the long distance down to Arkansas, yeah. into Pigget, Arkansas. Yes, my wife is asking me, sure it wasn't like Pigeon or something. Was like no, <laughs> went through piggot, It's Piggott, Arkansas. But uh, anyway, I've never been over this part of the country before, and uh, we've enjoyed being here and had a good time last night. And I want to say thank you to all those who put the banquet together yesterday. I don't know if they're in here, and I know some people are, but uh, you guys did a phenomenal yeah. job. Amen. Knocked it out of the park, and uh, I am, I was thankful to be part of it. Just glad to be here. My wife is back here sitting next to Mrs. Lovins. This is my wife, Patty, and then my kids are back in the teen classes Uh, as well. I have two kids, Abby and Andrew, and uh, Abby is my daughter. You have to say that nowadays, you know that? And Andrew is my son, and uh, they're back in the classes back here, and uh, we're glad to be here with you guys. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. When you come to Mark chapter 14, you are less than a week away from the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 14. Uh, Literally just a matter of days. Uh, We could even measure by hours if we wanted to, but it's just less than a week away from um, the betrayal and crucifixion of our Lord. And um, they find themselves here in this passage in a man's house. His name is Simon the leper. Now, I've been called many things, but I've never been called a leper. Uh, Can you imagine having that attached to your name even after you don't have leprosy? Simon the leper. Uh, That's a, a strange thought, but it definitely identifies him and sets him apart from other Simons that we find in the Bible. And he's in a town called Bethany. Somebody tell me, this is Sunday school. Who else was in Bethany that you know of in the Bible? Who else lived there? Lazarus. Who else? He was related to him. Mary and Martha, right? Yeah, Lazarus, the one that Jesus loved. You know, when Lazarus died... John 11, they came and told him and they said, the one that you love is dead. And he knew who they were talking about. Uh, They were near and dear to his heart. Jesus went to Bethany on a regular basis and he was refreshed there and encouraged. And I find it fascinating that though Jesus is 100% and was 100% God, he was still 100% man. And in his humanity, in his incarnation, he still would get discouraged. It was just after this he prayed John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ, and he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That's, that's his humanity. You know, he was a man. It's amazing to think about. The one who walked on water had to learn how to walk. The word had to learn how to speak. The one who fed 5,000 with little boy's lunch had to learn to feed himself. Uh, he was human, and he had to go through the natural processes that everybody else goes through. Uh, that's our Savior. Well, he comes to Bethany, and he's sitting down, and he's with Simon the leper. In John chapter 12, is a parallel passage, a cross-reference passage for this one, and it talks about how he sat down to eat, and it says, and Lazarus, the one who used to be dead, he was at the table. What a supper that would have been. Can you imagine sitting at that table? So, Lazarus. You know, they wrote, they've written all kinds of books that I believe are fiction about what heaven's like and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, can you imagine sitting down with Lazarus, the one who di- who was on the other side for four days? That's quite a conversation. I don't know. Maybe Lazarus would be like me. Lord, why in the world did you call me back? <laughs> now I have to die again. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's me. Lazarus is probably more spiritually minded than me. And maybe you're more spiritually minded than me, but that's what I would be thinking, probably. Well, he called him back, and they're eating again, and just an amazing thought. It's more than likely when you look at John 12 uh, to cross reference it, you'll see that Martha, you know what she was doing, she was serving. <clears throat> Even at this meal, she was serving again. And uh, it's probably because they were friends, and they enjoyed fellowshipping, eating together with Simon. They lived in the same town, they were both followers of Jesus Christ. And no doubt, just less than a week before the crucifixion, this would have been a very encouraging, bolstering time for Jesus Christ. Knowing what he's going to face and knowing that he was among friends. Sitting down and fellowshipping, fellowshipping and being encouraged. And John chapter 14, would you look at verse 3? We're going to read through verse 9. I'd like for you to follow along with me if you would. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he, as he said it, meet there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me, for ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye, will, uh, excuse me, whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, This also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. I want you to go back to verse 3. We can talk about she wrought a good work upon me. We can talk about she had done what she could. But I think when you read the Bible, I think what you need to do is you need to take a journey into the Bible and you need to use all of your senses. So think about this. When you read the Bible, see what they saw. Feel what they felt hear what they heard, touch things, taste things. But I want you to think about this one. Smell things. In the Old Testament, they would offer incense to God. The offering of the burnt, the burnt offering would go up into the, to the nostrils of God and he would smell it as a sweet savor. The praises of his saints are the same thing the Bible tells us. They're a sweet savor to God. It savor not in taste, but in smell and the scent, the aroma. I want you to notice one word in verse 3 that I'll be honest, I just can't get away from, and I haven't been able to for about a month. Look at verse 3. It says that she had an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. I want you to think about spikenard for a minute. Now, there are different kinds of spikenard, and I'm not a... Uh, a botanist. I'm not going to try to explain all this because I tried to read on it and I didn't understand most of the words I was reading. Uh, I took Latin for a year when I was in high school and I still couldn't speak those words that they were had on those websites and the research I did on it. But it was interesting to think about the smell of spikenard. It says it was an ointment. Spikenard, it was an oil from the spikenard plant. It's interesting, even in Bible times there's the American spikenard and there's the uh, eastern spikenard. The eastern spikenard is a part of the honeysuckle family. So imagine the smell. I love honeysuckle, don't you? When I was a kid, we'd go and take the flowers off and pull the bottom out and eat the little nectar in there. At least we thought we were. I don't know if anything ever came off that, but we did. I love the smell of it. I love the smell. I think the smell is the best when they start turning brown, they start dying. It's just a little bit stronger. Well, it's part of the honeysuckle family, and it would grow in the mountains of India. Now, think about where India is and think about where Israel is. There's a reason it was very precious and very costly. To make it and then transport it, or import it, I should say, into Israel, it would cost a lot of money to do that. And she had, the Bible tells us in another passage, about a pound of this. It was worth over 300 pence, and we'll look at that in just a little bit. It was an ointment. It was an oil. The Bible uses uh, spikenard a couple different times. You'll see when it was anointing Jesus. The Bible says in verse eight that it was that it was a she anointed him uh, to the to his burying because it was used in burial. They would wrap the body. It's interesting. Jesus when he was buried was wrapped in with wrappings and the spices and ointments, about 100 pounds of spices, ointments, and wraps when he was buried. That was just a custom back then because they, they didn't have the technology we do today about embalming bodies. Spikenard was one of them. Song of Solomon mentions Spikenard three or four times Spikenard is mentioned. It's also the ointment or the oil that you give to someone when you love them. Song of Solomon's full of that. Solomon talks about uh, his beloved and how beautiful she was and how he loved her and he talks about her scent, her aroma was like spikenard. Talks about when he walked into the house it smelled like spikenard. He was in so much love. The thing that he thought of when he thought of love was spikenard. She poured out spikenard upon his head. Think about it. Something so valuable. Yes, it was a prophecy or a testimony of his burying, but it was also a picture of her love to him. Something so valuable. But I want you to think about this. I believe we can liken our worship to God to Spikenard. She was worshiping Jesus Christ by anointing him with this. That was a form of worship. And I want you to think about three truths about our worship of God when we think about spikenard. And my prayer is every time you see the word spikenard in the Bible, you think about this. That's what I want you to I want you to think about the smell, the smell of it. Think about it. Our worship, just like spikenard, the Bible tells us in verse 3, she had an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. I want you to look at these two words, very precious. Spikenard was precious. And can I tell you, our worship to the Lord is precious. It is a precious thing. The Bible says very precious, very valuable. At some point, somebody paid a lot of money for that spikenard. Now, it may not have been her. It may not have been her immediate family. Maybe it was an heirloom that was passed down. We don't know where it came from or how they got it in their family. But it was possible that it was was an heirloom. It was possible that it was an investment. Because it was very precious, they paid a lot of money for it, and maybe it would increase in value. So it was to be an investment for the family. We don't know. We don't know. Either way, it was expensive. It was important. It was valuable. It was precious. And she poured it all out on Jesus. The Bible tells us it was more than a year's wages. If you uh, look down in verse uh, 5, it says that it was more than 300 pence is what it could be sold for. That's more than a year's wages. Now, we know that the one who murmured and did that was Judas Iscariot. From John chapter 12. Now we can criticize Judas and and think about that and now look he calculated the cost real quick in his head to murmur and criticize her but we're kind of obliged to him because we wouldn't know how much it cost back then if it wasn't for Judas sitting there being critical so now we know how precious this ointment was because Judas figured it out for us. I love that she poured it out all on Jesus she didn't save any of it. Please understand this when it comes to our worship No one is worthy of our worship except the Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy. Nobody else in that room was worthy of that kind of sacrifice. It's not here in this passage, but John chapter 12, verse 3, if you want to mark that down, we also find that this spikenard was potent. It was very potent. It had a a certain kind of aroma, and it was very strong. It was a powerful smell to it. John chapter 12, verse 3 talks about when this alabaster box was broken open and the ointment, the spikenard, was poured out, immediately the house was filled with the spikenard smell. The whole house, and it didn't take long. You could be in another room, you could be upstairs, you could be maybe in the lower level outside, then you could smell spikenard immediately because it was so potent. It had an earthy, heady smell. Some people would compare it to something like, uh, anybody, anybody understand woods and all that? I like woodworking. I love woodworking. Uh, I walked in, the first thing I started to was the pulpit and the, the pews and all this stuff. I love it. It smelled like cedar and honeysuckle and saddlewood and those kinds of pines, those kinds of evergreen trees. It would have a similar smell to that. So if you've ever smelled cedar, which I love the smell of cedar, you may have had a hint of what spikenard may have smelled like that earthy smell that was spikenard and it filled the entire house in john chapter 12 it's a picture of our worship stay with me for just a minute i know this church believes this i know your pastor believes this and i believe it wholeheartedly all of our worship should be reverential worship our worship to God is a reflection of what we think about God. So can I say a couple of things for a second? When the song leader stands up today and says, we're going to open our song books and sing number whatever we're going to sing today. And he says, all right, let's sing it together. And he raises his hand and get ready to lead it. The piano starts to play the introduction and he comes in and leads us. Will everybody be singing? Or will some people just sit there like... I don't think that happens in this church. In my church, it happens like that sometimes. I got a couple of people in my church. I mean, you would have to get, like, the jaws of death from a fireman to try to open up their mouth and get them to praise God sometimes. I mean, and they're good people. They're just... And here's the excuse. why well, I can't sing. Look, I can't sing either. I can't either. But I have learned... God is not listening to how good I sound. He just wants me to sing to him and worship him. So your pastor stands up and preaches and he calls for an invitation. Did you know that responding to the preaching of the word of God is also worship? The ushers come forward to receive an offering. That's just as much worship as singing a song to the Lord. Yeah. It's a powerful, it's a potent thing. Don't ever underestimate it. People may worship the Lord differently. I've always wished I could be one of those people that could raise their hand when they're worshiping God in church. How many hand raisers do we have? Yeah, you got it, didn't you? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, it's just not me. I'm for it. Your pastor's like that. As long as I've known your preacher, I've always wished I could worship God like he does publicly. But then I realized God did not make Joshua Johnson like Joshua Loven's. <laughs> so I worship God the way God made me. You know what I'll do sometimes? I'll smile real big when a song, when I like a song. If it really gets in my heart, sometimes it squeezes out through my eyes. I'll say amen. I'll ag the preacher, I'll go, come on. Say it again. That's right. Sure, go ahead. But to stand up or raise my hand or something, oh, I'd, I'd, I don't think I could ever do that. It's just not me. People may worship quietly. Some people worship loudly. The good thing is, is you, you just worship God. And can I say it's not limited to church? We do it in spirit and truth. It's not just inside these four walls. Uh, you, you should have had a time of worship yesterday. You should have a time of worship tomorrow. You should be worshiping God. It's a powerful thing. It's like nerd. It filled the house. In other words, when she opened that box, everybody knew it. When you worship God, people are going to see that. You're not doing it for their benefit, but it benefits them. Others are going to know that you're worshiping God. When she opened that box... The smell came out. Everybody knew that that spikenard had been opened. Can I tell you that when you worship God, others are going to know you're going to worship God because you're going to give off a certain way of living. Maybe not a smell, but a way of life. This woman had been given much. I won't go into it now. You know the the account of it, but she had been given much, and so giving that pound of spikenard, that was just reasonable for her to do. Can I tell you something this morning? You have been saved, redeemed. Someone died for you. He was worthy to live and we were worthy to die. But the unworthy to live was made worthy to live by the one who died for you. We have been declared righteous. We've been set apart for specific purposes purpose. We've been given a home in heaven. We have been placed in Christ and the Holy Spirit has been placed in us. So when we offer our heartfelt worship to the Lord this morning, that's just a reasonable thing to do. It is unreasonable for a blood bought child of God to not worship God. That is unreasonable. It's a potent thing. People are going to notice it. God's going to pay attention to it but here's what I want to spend the next eight and a half minutes on. It was persistent. Let's walk through this for just a minute. Look at verse 3. It says, There came a woman having an alabaster box. That was a decorative stone. Alabaster was a decorative stone. And it was used to seal very precious things. And so it was an alabaster box, a stone box, a very pretty box, of ointment of spikenard it was sealed inside of it because it's very precious it's interesting once the seal was broken you had to do something with it you couldn't just let it sit there and i believe when it says here and she break the box i don't believe that she took the box like a kid may do to a piggy bank and smash it on the ground and pick out the coins out of the out of the ceramic or take a hammer and break it i because if she did that all the ointment would be gone I believe what breaking the box meant was she broke the seal on the box and she took the lid off or whatever was there that was sealing it and she had that, that box and she poured it out. Once the seal was broken, there was no turning back. You know what I'm praying God would do for me and for you is that God would break the seal that's holding something back in our lives of worshiping God so that when that seal's broken, you can't help but give God his worship and glory that he deserves we need that she didn't hold anything back so I would encourage you today when the song leader stands up don't hold your singing back open up let her fly doesn't matter how you sound just let it rip you know what the teachers in Sunday school need to do today don't hold back if you're on a bus route don't hold back anybody in the choir Who's in the choir? Hold on. Keep them up. I listen to your choir just so you know. You have, you have a camera up there. It's video and all this stuff. And I've watched it. I like it. I'm looking forward to it. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't, she, didn't get, she didn't keep anything for herself. She gave it all. Now here's what's interesting. If you would take spikenard back in that day, that kind of spikenard, the way it was made and the way it was preserved and you open it up and if you were to put it on someone, if you put it on their skin, it would get into the pores of their skin. If it was on their hair, like that was in Jesus when she anointed his head and it would get into his hair and his beard and all anything like that. hair and the skin. Hair and skin will retain certain things that other things won't. It seeps down into it. It becomes part of it. Spy nerd. When it got into the hair and the skin, you couldn't wash it out, the smell of it. It would stay in there. If you, if you bathe yourself every day for a week, there would still be the smell of spikenard on you. That cedar, honeysuckle, saddlewood, pine, earthy, heady smell would stay on them. That's one reason they used it for burial. It would cover up other smells that were not as pleasant as spikenard. But it, and it would stay for a long time. She put this spikenard on Jesus. Now you think about a pound of spikenard. You pour a pound of anything that's liquid on somebody else's head, it's going to drip all down them and run down them and get in their clothes and their skin their hair everywhere. That's what it did to Jesus. And it stayed on him. This was less than a week before he died on the cross. And that smell would not leave him. It was persistent. While Jesus went to Gethsemane, just a few days after this, you know how he was praying, and he was in such agony, the Bible says that there were, and I believe it's literal, sweat drops of blood, coming through the pores of his skin. Now, there's a medical reason for that. Blood came through the pores of his skin because he was in such agony. And he could smell spikenard because it had gotten to the pores of his skin. And when sweat or blood would be excreted from the pores of his skin, he could smell, smell spikenard. And he would remember the worship that that lady gave to him he was betrayed. He was taken to a place called Gabbatha. John talks about it. It's a place where Pilate would sit in judgment. Gabbatha means pavement in Hebrew. And he would sit there in judgment. And when Jesus was brought to him and he had the crown of thorns put on him, there was a scourging put on, uh, placed on him and, and the robe placed on him and they mocked him. That was the place called Gabbatha. In Gethsemane, he could smell it. When he was in judgment, he could smell it. He was in Gabbatha, and they, would, they beat him, and they mocked him, and the crown of thorns, and the blood, and, the, and all of these things, and that's where he was silent. But he could smell spikenard. And as they're mocking him and ridiculing him, and as they're crying out, crucify him, he remembered Mary, pouring spikenard on him and the worship. He went to Golgotha. And as they laid him down on that cross beam, in the vertical beam, and he willingly laid his life down for us, he had lost so much blood. He was so weak. Physically, he couldn't even carry his own cross. They took spikes and drove men through his hands and through his feet. And as they raised that cross up and dropped it into that hole, and he hung on that cross for six hours, blood pouring from him, sweat pouring from him, and all of those things coming from the pores of his skin, he smelled spikenard. And just like that spikenard filled the house in John 12, verse 3, it was such a strong scent, there's no doubt in my mind that the two thieves, one on each side, could smell spikenard the Roman soldiers around him could smell spikenard because if it would fill a house just by breaking the seal, no doubt covering a human body would give off even more. And everybody smelled spikenard because that's how potent it was. He went to the grave and that spikenard lingered still, but they put more on him among other spices. I want you to know something. Your worship will go places you'll never be able to go. You put, you bring in your tithes and you give your offerings to the Lord. You worship the Lord. That offering and that tithe is going to go places with the gospel that you'll never be able to go. Spike nerd. You stand up and look, everybody has troubles and problems, don't we? You stand up and you take a songbook book and you sing and you worship God and the preacher's preaching and you say an amen and you're encouraging the man of God and you're encouraging someone else and you're worshiping the Lord and somebody else in church looks over at you and realizes you're going through a problem but you're still worshiping God, that's going to encourage their heart. And your worship will go places that you'll never be able to go. If you're a mom or dad and you're standing there with your kids or they see you worshiping God, they see you put an offering in the offering plate. They see you stand up every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night in Sunday school and pick up a songbook and you're singing and you're carrying your Bible and you're worshiping God in church. Maybe you're at home and you're singing and you're worshiping God. You're leading your family in that. Your kids see that and that spike nerd gets on them and it'll be with them for the rest of their life. That in order to go places you'll never be able to go. It's a potent thing. It's persistent. It doesn't leave. I want you to know, when you worship the Lord, do you bring him all your worship? Do you, do you hold back? Or do you give it all to him? Look, church is a tiring thing. I really believe if you go to church on a Sunday morning and you don't need a nap Sunday afternoon, you didn't really go to church. Excuse me. Back up, you went to church, you didn't, I hope you understand what I'm about to say, you didn't have church. Is that okay to say in Missouri, have church? You know what I mean by that? You can go to church, but you may not have it. Yeah, I like having church. I like having church. It'll wear you out. It will. It's a physical, emotional, mental, spiritual thing. You're just exhausted, so go home and get a nap, eat something good, come back at church tonight and and do it all over again, go home and sleep real good for work tomorrow. I mean, that's just what we do. Because we give it all. Your worship is far more precious and potent and persistent than you know. Don't hold back in giving it. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help us now as we prepare for the service to come that we would take, immediately take these truths and give all of our worship to you. Lord, I know that you value what we give to you. Lord, it, 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 it might be possible, it could be true, that worship is the only thing we can give you that you have not given us. Help us to give it to you freely. Lord, I pray that you would help us